Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Gloria Taylor. Gloria, it's great to have you back this week. Lauren is out, but I hope that for everyone listening that you were able to catch the show last week with Lauren and Kelsey. They did a special five-year anniversary edition and just talked about the history of the show, how it all began. Uh, And I do want to give a special shout out to Jillian, who's one of our listeners, who's been listening from the very start five years ago. Um, So amazing to have someone journey with us all the way through. For others who have done that, thank you for journeying with us all the way through. And that got me thinking, Gloria, like, are there things that I, whether it be podcasts or TV shows, even bands that I have like consistently followed for five years? And I was like, you know, maybe, but I think it's been more like maybe three years. I have a couple of podcasts I've definitely been invested in for about three years. But I don't know, five years, like that, that is a journey. That is a journey. It is. And thinking about that makes me feel really old. (laughs) I also like not as much podcasts, but like bands and TV shows. I'm like, there are bands I've seen in concert like eight, nine, ten times. Oh, wow. We love a good loyal fan. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What, what name one of those? Oh, Need to Breathe. Need to Breathe. Easily. 100%. Very fair. And then I remember I started watching Allie Stuckey before she even had a podcast. Like back when she was doing YouTube videos, she's called like the conservative millennial. Yep. Like way back in the day. No, I remember that. So cool to see. It is really cool. How far she's come i remember my sister like sending me youtube videos and being like have you heard of this girl Allie beth stuckey and like at that point i hadn't like we yeah discovered it together oh yes all the way back those early days yeah but it does make you feel old like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) we're seasoned with wisdom now okay much better way to say it seasoned with wisdom we need to put that in a quote graphic all right well we have a great show planned today up on today's problematic women we talk about birth control and why the fda is considering changing its rules and allowing for the first time ever over-the-counter birth control plus congress is trying to codify gay marriage into law but why now? We break that down. And YouTube has pledged to remove videos that contain unsafe content about abortion practices. We'll tell you what you need to know there. And as always, we will be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. So if you are a problematic woman or maybe just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and encourage others to subscribe. It really does make a huge difference. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk about birth control. A lot of women use birth control. In fact, a 2015-2017 national survey by the CDC found that over 72 million American women from the ages of 15 to 49 use contraception of some kind. And out of those, about 12 in every 100 women are on the birth control pill. Women who are on the pill take it every day to prevent pregnancy. The FDA first approved the pill back in the 1960s. And since then, women have always needed a prescription for birth control pills. But that might be changing. The FDA is considering allowing the pharmaceutical company HRA Pharma to sell its birth control without a prescription. 
The pill is O-Pill, and if the FDA approves it, it will be the first ever daily birth control pill that does not require prescription. The drug company has numerous studies over about six years to prove to the FDA that the drug label is clear and the users can understand how to use the drug correctly without guidance from a doctor. So the FDA, they're in this process right now of considering, do we allow this big pharmaceutical company to sell birth control over the counter. And this process of approval takes several months. Uh, But if it's approved, then women will be able to walk into their local drugstore and buy birth control without a prescription. So here with us to talk about the implications of this and what it could mean for women is Marguerite Bowling. She's a senior communications manager for domestic policy studies right here at the Heritage Foundation. Marguerite, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's talk Big picture here. Why exactly has a prescription always been required for birth control? What's the point of that? It, I know Gloria has some thoughts too, but I mean, there's <laughs> there's certainly side effects on these pills, and you have to take them in a certain way for them to be effective. Uh, otherwise, there is a user failure rate. So you know, it's to check and make sure that this is right for the woman's body. Um, Because it is interacting with her reproductive system uh, and there's side effects to that. And also, you know, there's an education that has to go into it to know how to take it to be effective. Yeah. Yeah. Gloria, what do you think? I'm thinking about me at 17, 16 years old. And I imagine now they want kids that are even younger than that to be on birth control. I could literally not even remember to make my bed every day, (laughs) much less take those pills on time. And I, I didn't. I wasn't taking them on time whatsoever. And I'm the kind of person that when you, you know, get the bottle that says side effects and you read them, you're like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to have the side effects. I went on birth control to help with periods, you know, forever and ever ago. And it destroyed me. Just like I would, I used to never cry. And then I would randomly be crying even Aww. when I was happy all the time out of nowhere, made me insane. And you throw up all the time. It was terrible. Just really messed with your hormones. Yeah, I, mean, I know. And, you know, now I'm on this other hormone treatment, which I'm super sensitive to as well. But like... I'm incredibly sensitive to that medication and to think that I could go now get that without even having to talk to a doctor and have all those things change in your body and not even be talking to a primary care physician, you know, to me from anecdotal experience seems completely insane. Yeah. Agreed. Like when I was prescribed it for dealing with adult acne, uh, which it didn't help at all at the time. Actually, having children really helped clear that up. But I, And I know that's different for other women, but there's a lot of side effects I wasn't expecting. And it's, you know, it's like the weight gain or um, the moods and just you're not yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and it should signal to us we're doing some pretty radical things to our bodies. Um, and if you're putting this over the counter and you're not putting any kind of age limit, which it doesn't sound like there's going to be, um, then you're talking about girls – Little girls, teens getting this, not knowing how to use it right or just other bad implications there. Yeah, well, I I thought that was really fascinating because uh, Politico did a story on this and they sort of touted the fact that um, that youth, that adolescents could get this without a prescription as being a good thing. They presented this scenario of, you know, a a girl um, is sexually active and she doesn't want her parents to know. And so if she can walk into a pharmacy and get birth control, you know, that's a good thing. Which I thought was very interesting that they're saying a child getting drugs behind her parents' back that have significant 
influence on her body, on her hormones at a very young age, that they're touting that as a reason to have over-the-counter birth control. The health of the kid is not the primary concern here. It's the ideology that's the primary concern, and that's what's so disturbing. And then, you know, counter to your example, what about the random sex traffickers and abusers that are going to go buy birth control over the counter? Mm -hmm. And there's no oversight of a kid that, you know, would be asking for something in a doctor's office and then a primary care doctor is overseeing what's going on and can ask questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is uh, this is just the liberal mantra of we have to give kids access to sex ed and contraceptives and everything. Otherwise, we're going to see an increase in teen births. Well, I I found a story on Vox, of all places, that research found that, you know, this approach of giving condoms out in schools actually backfired. There was a 10 percent increase in teen births and the gonorrhea rates for women rose following this condom giveaway. So if we're thinking that, you know, you're just giving children, girls or teens birth control pills without any guidance, without anything else. You're just allowing them to go out with us. You know, I don't think you're going to see better results down the road. Yeah. Well, and I think there maybe is a conversation that is not a popular one to have in our day and age, but a conversation that needs to happen of like, hey, to young women, you don't have to be having sex. Like yeah. It's yeah. it's actually not something that, that you have to be doing at all or need to be doing. And that like that has become so far removed even from – like no one is saying that anymore. No one is talking about that. It's just it's how like can you – It's like a fringe thing to say. It's very yeah. fringe. It, the whole conversation is just how do you have sex safely um, when, you know, 50 years ago it, it was – pretty common to say, hey, sex is meant for marriage. It's this beautiful gift in marriage. We celebrate that. That's Uh, where you're safe. Yeah. Yeah. And the safety, what's the safety? Safety is perfecting a pregnancy. Sex is meant to end in a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. You know, it it has a role to go to pregnancy to create a new life. And, you know, you're in the best position to do that when you're married. Yeah. You know, that's just, I think, the societal gender whatever you want to call it notion of the left let's divorce everything from like the true root and purpose you know let's divorce sex from having you know children let's divorce you know being male and female from reality you know (laughs) we can go on and go on and go on Mm -hmm. and it ends in disarray and confusion and heartbreaking circumstances yeah yeah Marguerite I would love to ask you to get into just briefly just a kind of a little bit about birth control pills and like the difference and and what exactly they kind of are. Yeah, I looked into this more because I haven't taken a long time. But so normally um, there's sort of a combination pill that women will get that has estrogen and progestin. And this particular O-pill is just progestin and it's meant to be like the mini pill. It's like a mini dose. Um, But again, you have to take this pill every day at the same hour. Like if you're off by an hour, the effectiveness, so to speak, doesn't work as well. Um, If you're taking any kind of supplements or antibiotics, it can mess with the O-pill or the progestin. Um, So some women, you know, they take this or they do the combined pill, which has estrogen in it. But even with that, that has a lot of side effects and risks for like blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, um, nausea, other other things going on. So it's all these different things, whether it's um, the pills themselves, the devices, the IUDs that you can get inside you, 
um, or the rings that you can have, they all come with an inherent risk. Um, because again, you're missing, you're you're altering your your menstrual period, your cycle, um, which I know we're we're meant to like fear or to hate, but it's actually we should celebrate because it means we have a very healthy reproductive cycle mm. um, or reproductive um, system working. So uh, all of these different things, they either stop it from happening or they they mask it. They try to they try to mess with the body. Um, and make the body think it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Those are really heavy side effects and big decisions to be making without any consult from from a doctor, a doctor whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I don't know about y'all. I'm the kind of person that doesn't really read the side effects part of the medication <laughs> or like, oh, you know, don't take supplements or whatever. I just kind of do what I'm going to do. Yeah. And that will not bode well for you. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's really important to have those conversations with your doctor. And two, I think if you do start having those negative side effects to understand like, oh, this is a result of this medication, um, which, you know, you would hope uh, that people would be reading the labels on bottles. But um, Gloria, right. much like you, I'm like, no, it's fine. <laughs> right. We have, they have to get my license number if I want to get certain cold medicine. Mm. And I know that sometimes has to do with the, the meth issues. But on this, you know, you'll just give them a walk in, get it. And there's just no like, no, there's no follow up. There's no like, are you doing this right? For a time, you couldn't go get a coffee in D.C. without showing your ID and Vax card. But Want birth control? Here, we'll give it to you like candy. Wild world. (laughs) Well, and of course, this is happening in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned in these conversations about, um, you know, pregnancy and and safe sex and preventing unwanted pregnancies. And, you know, I, I am all for people being on birth control and people, you know, choosing to kind of take ownership over that for for their own bodies, however they feel like is best for them to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there needs to there needs to be some input and some conversation had with some sort of medical professional. And I, I think the biggest fear, which we've talked about, is just how this uh, could so be used and abused by kids. And by those who are sexually preying on other individuals. Right. And and the left's not going to stop with this, right? So they're just starting with the progestin only. But inevitably they say, oh, well, there's – kids aren't taking it right. We really need to give them the combination without any kind of prescription. Then it's, oh, well, that this doesn't work well. We need to be able to do this without getting any sort of parental input. I just, I see this as the slippery slope. It's not going to stop here. And then the left has already shown us they want to go further. They just passed in the House the, what is it, the Right to Abortion Act? Mm, uh, I'm yeah. sorry, the Right to Contraceptive, mm-hmm, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, the right to contraceptive act, contraceptive act, which is nothing to do. Nobody's taken away any right to access it. Um, what the left wants to do is to force your business or place of work to pay for it and to make sure that they provide it no matter any kind of conscience issues they might have. So it's, again, the left takes these things and says, well, the, 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 the conservatives are going to take this away from you. Now, that's not the case. Um, what they're trying to do is just take away any options. Yeah. Well, and we're seeing that exact same argument right now being made around the issue of gay marriage. So I want to talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but 
first, before we get to that conversation, I want to tell you all about a super fun way that you can stay connected with Problematic Women throughout the week. Problematic Women is on Instagram. You can catch highlights of the show, fun reels, inspiring social graphics, and stay informed on what we're covering on the show by following us at Problematic Women on your Instagram. So just look for that bright pink logo and start following us today. The House voted on a bill last week to codify gay marriage into law. The bill is called the Respect for Marriage Act and affirms the Supreme Court's 2015 ruling in Obergefell v. Hodges, which legalized gay marriage across America. So the Respect for Marriage Act essentially undoes the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act, which stated that marriage is only a legal union between one man and one woman as husband and wife. So this new bill also protects interracial marriage. And, you know, in my opinion, this bill feels a little bit like it came out of left field. I mean, why now? Well, Democrats say that more legal protections are needed for gay marriage and even interracial marriage after the Supreme Court overturned Ruby Wade. So gay marriage, uh, it's a topic that has not gotten a lot of attention in recent years. A lot of conservatives stay away from it altogether uh, because conservatives are pretty split on the issue. So I, I want to hear from you all. What do you think? Should should the Senate follow the House and pass this legislation to codify a right to same-sex marriage into law? There's a lot of politics yes, going are. on here. <laughs> a lot of politics. This all feels like politics. It's funny because you heard right after Roe happened, a lot of Democrats getting shellacked because, well, guys, you know, you had however many decades to codify Roe. So I think that's, you know, probably part of what they're thinking when it mm-hmm. comes to Obergefell. But also this administration is floundering in ways we have literally never seen before. It is so, so bad. His approval rating numbers, even within like the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. they need some sort of win. They need to get their base riled up. So let's manufacture a crisis and wow. get outrage against Republicans. So. Gloria, that's interesting to hear you say that because I think that hits the nail on the head. <laughs> like there's an election coming up. They know that this is popular among the Democratic base. So even though this was like, wait a second, why are we talking about this all of a sudden? It It is. It's a, it's a way to get people uh, kind of riled up about an issue that you know, isn't necessarily uh, a super hot button issue anymore. No, and it's it's unnecessary. Right? Nobody's saying that Obergefell is going to be overturned at any point. Um, Justice um, Thomas suggested that it was based on faulty reasoning and it should go down just like Roe v. Wade did. But nobody in the Supreme Court said that they were going after Obergefell. But the the left is doing this not to really codify same-sex marriage because it doesn't even change. Um, with this bill, the, the the rights for that don't change. What it does is that it lets them put down the dissenters, the people that do believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. Mm. They get to be punished under federal law um, as acting out against this, the color of the state, I think, is how they put it in the bill. It, it really is about punishing people that don't hold the left's sexual ideology. Yeah, yeah. No, the bill, uh, they phrase it like this. They say no person acting under color of state law may deny full faith and credit to any public act, record, or judicial proceeding of any state pertaining to a marriage between two individuals on the basis of sex, race, ethnicity, 
or uh, national origin of those individuals and goes on and on and on. But yeah. And uh, even more radical is that if a state requires federal recognition of polygamy, it's required nationwide then. Like it's 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 not a uh, – wow. this is not just Where about – end is my question. Yeah, it doesn't. Wow. Whatever so not, sexual perversion this, they want to go down. This opens the door, you're saying, essentially yeah. to polygamy across yeah. the nation. Wow. It is a where, where does this end? <laughs> Just go watch lives of TikTok. That's that's what they want. Yeah. It's a slippery slope, I think, when we start um, pushing for these things and going forward. And a little bit like we were talking about earlier, like, you know, you move the needle a little bit off of this to say, well, this is OK. This is acceptable. Um, that's how the libs do it. Yeah. I mean, look at the sexual revolution that just started with, oh, we're liberating women. We're, we're helping them. And, you know, I would say women today are not really liberated by all of this. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> not liberated by, by a sleep around culture. That's well, for it sure. seems to me, too, the left is just enslaved, just so miserably enslaved to this like wokeism and gender ideology that like it's just this miserable cult hmm. of confusion and brokenness. That's such a good way to put it. There's so much brokenness. And you do, like, I think I, I always, Lauren makes fun of me, I always come back to that compassion aspect. But, it like, it is critical because we have to recognize, like, we're all broken and these are broken people and this is how they're trying to deal with their own brokenness. Yeah. Um, and doesn't mean well, the it's the tyranny of the state that they want to use. Like, they just don't want us to even have the viewpoint that marriage should be between a man and a woman. And so if you're not holding that up and, and you're not, you know, participating in their activities, so to speak, um, they're going to punish you. Yeah. As we can't with- punish you by taking you off Twitter or any tech platform, they'll come for the law. <laughs> As Masterpiece Cake Shop, you know, yeah. it's yeah. that uh, fight still continues. Yeah, yeah. Well, Marguerite, thank you so much for joining us for your expertise on this. We uh, will keep on watching this piece of legislation. We'll see what the Senate does. And if they take action on this, it's kind of a, a coin toss to see what happens there. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to be dramatic. Got to distract from all the recession and inflation <laughs> numbers this week. Exactly. Uh, not, not so great on that issue. Uh, Marguerite, thank you so much for coming in today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. But stick around because up next, Gloria and I are bringing you all a little bit more interesting news. Virginia Allen here. I want to tell you all about a great way you can stay in the know on all the news The Daily Signal covers. Social media. The Daily Signal has an active presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are constantly posting news stories, clips from interviews, videos, and more across all our social platforms. Follow The Daily Signal on social media so you can get all the latest content from reels on Instagram to video clips on Facebook and political commentary on Twitter. We have all done it, gone to YouTube and typed in, how do I, you know, fix this on my car or do such and such in my kitchen so many times? I don't know how to do this, and I want a video to show me how. Well, some people have apparently been sharing videos on how to have an abortion at home. Um, But there are, of course, large safety concerns with a DIY abortion. YouTube has pledged to remove videos that include content on how to have an abortion that could be unsafe. They recently posted on Twitter that they will remove content that provides instructions for unsafe abortion methods or promotes false claims about abortion safety under our medical misinformation policies. So, Gloria, I mean, my first reaction to this is is good. Obviously, we we don't want videos on YouTube that are um, made by just everyday average citizens, not medical professionals, telling women to 
you know, shove things up their vagina in order to remove a baby. Yeah. Um, so that's good. That's obviously we want to keep people safe. <laughs> we don't want women trying to have um, an unsafe and illegal abortion in their home alone. Um, I think the concern here is just YouTube doesn't always do a great job at finding the line yes. of wit, what is, <laughs> yes, this is in fact dangerous, this is inappropriate, needs to be taken down, and then this is Americans having freedom of speech. Yeah. I know. I saw the story and I thought, okay, wait, I need to go reread this again to make sure I read it correctly, mm-hmm. realizing that YouTube was doing something right. Immediate thought, even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> you know, the bar is really low yep. for, for YouTube to be doing something that makes sense. Um, but then, you know, when you called it a DIY abortion, I thought of, you know, the side by sides of the DIY, like cookies or DIY, yes. whatever. And there's the like Instagram the pinches, version yeah. versus the real. And uh-huh. that's really funny when it's, you know, cutesy things and, yeah. you know, home crafts. That, that's not so funny when the consequences are life and death. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You work on tech policy here at the Heritage Foundation. You help our our tech experts get their message out. Are you confident that YouTube can can find this balance of really protecting the public from harmful information that could literally kill them, um, but then not just censoring content that maybe is put up by um, by individuals who want to share about pro-life resources in their community or want to share um, about, you know, alternatives to abortion? Very not confident in YouTube's <laughs> ability to walk this line whatsoever. They've already, you know, gone above and beyond to censor content, you know, from pro-life groups. They've already gone above and beyond to censor like COVID things that we literally yeah. now know to be completely true and they said were false. So I have absolutely no trust in them to do anything that is not, you know, in tune with the left's agenda. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I was talking with um Kara Frederick, who is our leading voice on tech policy yep. things and and yeah, she she definitely was like, well, you know, uh YouTube's pretty and all tech platforms they're pretty one-sided on the abortion yep. issue. So, um, you know, I'm for forever. I try to be an optimist. So I, <laughs> hopefully we're going to see I some positive <laughs> things from YouTube. But, um, yeah, not not holding not holding breath on this. But good on YouTube for at least saying, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to take some of these videos yeah. down. So. We'll call a ball a ball and a strike a strike. Exactly. But you know what? If, if they take down videos of us saying a woman is a woman and a man is a man, I mean, I have absolutely <sighs> yeah. no trust in your ability to – Call a ball and strike. Oh, my goodness. How have we gotten here? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we will keep you all updated on that. But stay tuned because up next, we crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. Do you have an interest in public policy? Do you want to hear lectures from some of the biggest names in American politics? The Heritage Foundation hosts webinars called Heritage Events Live. These events are free and open to the public. To find the latest Heritage events and to register, visit heritage.org slash events. Now it is that time once again, our favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to... Eve Nunez. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with Eve on the Daily Signal podcast, and Eve just has an incredible story. She was actually um, raped as a teenager, and she had people in her family that said, you should have an abortion. She became pregnant um, and had individuals saying, you know, you don't have to carry this pregnancy to term. 
But she, even as a teen, she decided, no, 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 I, I want to give life to the life that's growing inside of me. And so she chose to have that baby. She raised her son with the help of her parents. Um, and she's become this really powerful voice for life in the pro-life movement. Um, and, you know, her her challenges in life didn't just stop when she was a teenager. She's gone through a lot in her life now as an adult, overcome a lot of challenges. But all through that, um, she just has this powerful story of choosing over and over again to be someone that helps other people and that kind of uses her trauma and her pain to impact the lives of others. So I, I want to play a short clip of my conversation with Eve. I have been an advocate for life my whole life. I, I was raped at 14 when I was a sophomore in high school. And uh, I was not a Christian, but I had Jewish um, grandparents and parents who taught me the importance of life. My name is Eve, which means life giver. And when that happened to me, when I went through that trauma of being raped and going to high school, which was like in 1969, at 14 years old, mm-hmm. I had like my whole life and I loved school and everything was turned upside down. I um, decided when I found out I was pregnant that um, I was going to keep the baby. Uh, the young man that raped me that was about 10 years older than me only did six months in jail for statutory rape. And those were our laws back then. And I couldn't go back to high school. I loved high school. I was, you know, just wanted to finish high school. And, and I couldn't. It's like my whole world was turned upside down. But I was willing to give anything up. So Eve is our problematic woman of the week this week because she has really defied the narrative and all of the odds. She chose to give her baby life when most people would not have blamed her for having an abortion. She chose to take a lot of really hard circumstances in her life. And instead of growing bitter or becoming a victim, um, she chose to help and serve and love other people. So just really amazing and such an inspiration to see people like Eve. Incredible story, man. That is something I'd really love to see going viral in Instagram stories and my friends posting about, you know, whew, that's really powerful. It Thank is. you for sharing your story. Wow. Um, congrats to Eve. Um, with that, that's where we're going to leave it this week. Lauren and I are actually off next week. So there is no Thursday edition of Problematic Women next week, but we will be back with you for a Tuesday edition on August 9th. And then, of course, our regular show on August 11th. We're going to miss you all next week. But we've got some some pretty great content for the following week that we're really excited to share with you all. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Amazing. Gloria, this has been fun. Thanks for joining. Always happy to be here. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Again, no show next week. We hope you all are enjoying summer, getting some time off, maybe headed to the beach or something, soak up the the last little bit of sun and sunshine of the summer. Um, And we will be back with Problematic Women the week of August 8th. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.